invite you to turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14. We'll be looking at verses 66 through 72. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, starting in verse 66. I'll read this and then offer prayer. Now as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you are saying. And he went out on the porch, and a rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him again and began to say to those who stood by, This is one of them. But he denied it again. And a little later, those who stood by said to Peter again, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean, and your speech shows it. Then he began to curse and swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. A second time the rooster crowed, Then Peter called to mind the word that Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And when he thought about it, he wept. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time of sweet fellowship, of sweet singing, uh, of, of singing songs of praise to you. We thank you for how our hearts have been filled with your goodness. Our, our hearts have been drawn out in worship and adoration of you. Thank you for filling us with your spirit that we can be able to know these deep truths which give us this great assurance in who you are and who we are in you. And Father, thank you for your word which you have given us that tells you of your great love for us Father, and gives us examples like this. Father, of even Peter, one who loved you, one who loved Christ. Father, who fell in his own sin and even denied the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, you give us examples like this so that we can look within our own heart and we can admit the own weakness of our flesh And Father, how that without your spirit, without your grace, without your mercy, and without us keeping our eyes upon you, Father, we too would deny you. And Father, we pray that we can learn from Peter's example. Holy Spirit, Father, we ask that you would please help us this morning to listen and to be obedient to what your word is teaching us. Father, may you be honored and glorified. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Title this, Peter's Denial of Jesus. But secondarily, Jesus' love for Peter. Because even even though we, we read this and our hearts ache, and we know the story here, and we've read it many times, and we hate this part of the story, but yet, it's a necessary part of the story. It's, it's a necessary part in understanding Peter 
And it's also a necessary part in understanding the heart of Christ and His great love for Peter and His great love for you and I. Because we can look at Peter and we can say, how dare he? How could he do this? Why would he do this? Why did Peter do this? Didn't, didn't he hear Jesus? And wouldn't that have been enough for him not to do this? We can have those kind of thoughts within us. And sometimes we can come down hard on Peter for his impetuousness, his, his, uh, his fervor, sometimes speaking up when he shouldn't. And then we come to this occasion where he denies being a follower of Jesus Christ and sometimes we can come down hard on him. But I hope that God gives us humility that we see ourselves in Peter, that, we see, that you see yourself in Peter and that we too, in the weakness of our flesh, in the depravity of of our condition that if we do not lean upon His strength, if we do not listen to His words, and if we do not have a heart that is wholly committed to Him, we too will choose sin over being obedient to Him. So I hope that we see that once again in this denial of, of Peter, of being a follower of Christ. I don't think that we have to spend a whole lot of time on it because it's pretty self-explanatory of what happens. Jesus, we know, said that this was going to happen and, and it happens exactly as he said it was going to. Peter denies on three occasions to be a follower of Christ. But there's more to the story than just Peter denying being a follower of Christ and that's what I hope for us to look at this morning. There's something to learn from what happens here. And there's a reason why this was a part of God's plan and the story. As we're looking at the end of Christ's life, we're looking at the trial, the crucifixion, the death, and the resurrection of Christ. We're looking at different things that happen during this time and the importance of them. We looked at last time the importance of Christ's innocence, that through this whole trial, that ungodly men, ungodly leaders, they all saw that Jesus Christ was truly innocent and how this was important in Him being a perfect sacrifice for us, but that He took on our guilt, He took on our sin, and was put to death because we are guilty, not because He was guilty. And then we've already looked at the betrayal of Judas and how that was a part of the plan of God, how that Jesus Christ would be betrayed by one of his disciples and how this was very difficult for all the disciples to accept. This was hard for even Jesus to have to go through, but it was part of God's plan. But I think even more than the betrayal of Judas and how, how much it hurt the disciples and how much it hurt the heart of Christ, they, Christ knew the heart of Judas. He knew that he had been chosen to be the one who would betray him. He knew that he was destined for this end. And so even though it hurt when he did betray him, yet he knew that he was chosen to this end. 
But Peter was one of the leaders of the apostles. He was one of the leaders of this twelve that Jesus had chosen. He was the one who had confessed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, right? That He was the Christ, the Son of the living God. He was the one who, who, was, who had so much fervor and so much love for Christ that when we see Him deny to be one of His followers, it hurts. And I know that there was much hurt in not only the other disciples, but also in Christ Himself. And so, we just want to look at this denial of Peter today, but really look more this morning about what led to this denial. Why did Peter deny to be a follower of Christ? And what can we learn from that? But also, I think more importantly, look at the love of Christ for Peter and see how he restores Peter, even though he denies him. And what we can learn from that in our life. And then, just real briefly, try to look at how we can clearly see how Peter is converted to Christ and see the lessons that he learned from this in his writings. And so that's what I hope in prayer. My hope in prayer this morning is that we take a look at this denial of Peter and that we see what we can learn from it, what Peter learned what led to this denial, and as we think about it in our own life, maybe not that we deny that we're followers of Christ in any way to to the world, but think of it in this way, in your own life. Make it personal. When I'm faced with a decision, whether to choose sin or to choose to be obedient to Christ, what decision do I make? And ultimately, when we look at that, when we choose sin, when we choose to disobey Christ versus being obedient to Him and serving Him, that is a denial. That is denying Him. And so we want to learn from Peter's denial what led to his denial of Christ and how we can try to avoid those kind of denials in our Christian walk with the Lord. And then also understand that when we do choose sin over obeying Christ, that Jesus still loves us and that Jesus' heart is toward us for us to be reconciled to Him and for us to still be used by Him and for us to overcome that sin and for us to learn from that sin. I mean, I would love to stand up here and tell you that I've never chosen sin over being obedient to Christ. I have chosen time and time again to serve self instead of serving Christ. But I've learned time and time again that Jesus' heart is for me when I'm broken by that sin and I see that and I admit it and I confess it to Him. I feel His love for me and I feel His grace toward me and I feel His his discipline upon me, teaching me, trying to teach me, don't do that again, son. Don't do that again, because that is not for your good. That is not for your joy. That is not for your furtherance of faith in me, but it it is detrimental to you. He does it because he loves us.
and it will glorify him. And so that's my prayer this morning as we look at this. So if we know the story, if we've been following it, if you're familiar with reading the Gospels and the account, you're familiar with this denial of of Peter. You're also familiar that Jesus predicted this, that this would happen. And so it doesn't come to a shock to us in that regard. In Mark chapter 14, we know that Jesus said this right after they had kept the Lord's Supper. He said in verse 27, Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. So, you know, it tells us about Peter's denial and what happened. And he, he is the only one that it's recorded of that, that did publicly deny to be a follower of Christ at this time. But Jesus said they're all going to stumble. They were all going to forsake him. Peter is not alone in this. I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you that today, even this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he spoke more vehemently. If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said, likewise. So we know that Jesus predicted that this would happen. But as we read it and as, as we look at it and we experiencing it, as we experience it, we ask the question, Yes, it was ordained. Yes, it was planned. Yes, it was part of God's plan. But, but why did this happen? What led up to this in Peter's heart, Peter's life, Peter's mind that caused him to do this? And how can I learn from that? What is God trying to teach me through that? Why did Peter do it? And I think we could boil it down to this. There's, there's many reasons why we could list. But I think this is the main reason. And it's the reason why you and I choose sin over being obedient to Christ because he wasn't listening to Jesus. He wasn't listening to Jesus. It wasn't that Jesus hadn't told him or been telling him what he needed to do in order to avoid this. It was that he wasn't letting it sink in and he wasn't internalizing it and he wasn't making application to himself. Pride was keeping him from admitting him, from admitting that he needed to listen to what Christ was saying. He needed his help. He needed his strength. Peter was a proud man. He was a proud man. And we too are filled with pride. And pride is a barrier to us listening to Christ, to his word and to the Holy Spirit and telling us to Don't choose yourself. Don't choose sin. Instead, choose to obey Christ. Choose to love Christ over self. Think about some of the things that Jesus had been teaching the people, also teaching his disciples, and that Peter had been hearing, but that he didn't listen to. In Mark 8, 31 through 38, remember the first time that Jesus told Peter, and the disciples that he was going to have to suffer and be tried and be put to death. Verse 31 of Mark 8, 
And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned about and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. You see, Peter didn't want to accept the plan of God that he had for Christ. The plan that he had for the disciples. And it was a plan of suffering. It was a plan of rejection. But ultimately... Of blessing, ultimately of, of redemption, ultimately of glorification. But the process was through suffering, through rejection, through being despised. And Peter did not want to accept that. He was a proud man and he was, um, he was also a proud citizen. He was a proud Jew. And he wanted them to be delivered from the power of those that were oppressing them. He did not want this to be the way that Jesus set up his kingdom. And so Jesus goes on to teach this important lesson that Peter hadn't yet fully received. And when he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whosoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. That's what Peter needed to hear. He wanted to hold on. He wanted to cling to this life he had, the life he had with Christ. Jesus says you need to be willing to let go. You need to be willing to lose that in order that you might gain a better life, a more full life. And the way that you're going to do this is you're going to have to deny yourself. Deny yourself. Not only that, but take up your cross. You're going to have to be willing to sacrifice yourself for others. You're going to have to be willing to love others more than you love yourself. Peter was not yet willing to accept this. Because we see in his denial, he hasn't denied himself yet. His self-preservation, right? When, they come, when, the, when the maid comes to him and says, hey, you're a follower of Christ too. What happens to Peter? Self-preservation, right? I'm not, I'm not a follower of Christ. I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't even know the man. That's how serious our sin nature is, isn't it? That in a moment... We can be so self-consumed that we would deny the very one that we love the most. I believe with all my heart that, that Peter loves Christ more than any, anything. We've seen it, that he does. But in the moment of temptation, in the moment of trial, in the moment of being tested, he does not deny self. Instead, he chooses self to protect self because he had not yet denied himself and taken up his cross. Well, in Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 45, Jesus teaches the disciples 
that it's not about themselves and about being the greatest, but it's about serving one another. It's about serving the Lord, and it's about becoming a servant. And this hadn't sunk in with Peter yet also, either. None of the disciples has this truly sunk in yet. They're being, they're being, it's being witnessed to them by Jesus Christ. Not only has he been serving them, but now they're seeing through what he's being willing to go through. Being put through this trial for nothing that he has done. Being beaten, being mocked, being scourged. All these things that happen to him. They're seeing that he is choosing to become a slave. Choosing to become a servant. For them. And for his people. And Jesus said that of himself. He said, unbelievers. He said, the Gentiles. They're all about authority. They're all about themselves being in power and everyone else serving them. But Jesus said, Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. Least of all. For even the Son of Man, Jesus Christ Himself, did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That's what Jesus was trying to teach Peter. Give up yourself. Become a servant. Become a slave. Give your life, Peter, as a ransom for others. This is what I'm doing. Well, Peter wasn't willing to do that yet. He wasn't willing to to, um, give himself up as a follower of Christ. Well, then in Mark chapter 12, in verses 28 through 31 or 34, Jesus teaches us that love, love for God with your whole heart and love for one another with that same kind of heart is what we should be striving for. And if we want to be great in the eyes of God, if we want to be great in the kingdom, then it is love, whole heart, whole heart love, whole being love, right? Because this scribe comes to him and says, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. To love God with your whole being. Right? To be dedicated to His service. This is what Jesus is trying to teach His disciples, His followers. To be a follower of Christ is to love God with your whole being. To love Him more than you love yourself. To love Him more than you love things. To love God with your whole being. Your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. And when you do that, then you can love your neighbor as you love yourself. More than you love yourself. And you can love them as God has loved you. Well, Peter didn't make this choice to love Christ more than he loved himself. He chose to love himself and preserve himself. And then I think the the last lesson 
that, Peter, that Jesus was teaching Peter and the disciples was in the Garden of Gethsemane. In Mark 14, 34 through 38, we see that Jesus teaches the disciples and Peter submission to the Father's will. You see, Peter, as we have seen already on many occasions, has not submitted to the Father's will. When Christ told him plainly, this is what's going to happen and this is the Father's will, I'm going to be arrested, I'm going to be um, despised, I'm going to be rejected, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to be put to death. Peter said, no, that can't be the Father's will. Jesus said, you're going to deny me. Three times. Peter said, no. Even if everyone else denies you, I will not deny you. He hadn't submitted to the Father's will. But we see in Christ, one who was submitted to the Father's will, that even in his greatest moment of anguish, even in his greatest trial, when he is in agony of spirit and in soul, when he is pouring his heart out to his Father, And in all his humanity, he is crying out to the Father saying, If at all possible, let this cup pass from me. And he's praying and pleading. And he comes back to the Father and he says, Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. I am submitted to your will. And my will is to do your will. And during this time of Christ teaching them this, Peter and James and John are fast asleep, showing the weakness of their flesh. And Christ warns them, and he warns Peter, understand the weakness of your flesh. And what does he tell them? Watch and pray. Right? Be on guard. Be on alert. Know that your soul is always is going to be tempted by the devil. Be on guard. But also pray. Pray that God will give you the strength to overcome temptation. Well, I think Peter was still trusting in his flesh. He said, even though all the other disciples will deny you. Uh, He said, I'll die for you. I'll go to prison with you. Trusting in his own flesh, in his own strength. Not watching, not praying. Well, brothers and sisters, we can understand Peter. We We can see that he wasn't listening to Christ. And we can empathize with him because we too are like Peter. We understand the words of Christ. We understand what He is telling us, what He is calling us to do. We've we've studied and read and memorized and, and tried to internalize all these things, but yet still in those moments when our flesh arises, our old man arises, and Satan comes and he puts a temptation before us, 
Sometimes we reject the voice of Christ and the voice of the Spirit, and we deny that, and yet we, and we listen to ourself, and we choose self over Christ. So we should be able to not only sympathize with Peter, but empathize with him because we have done the same thing. Think about some of these things in your own life, in your own experience, when it comes to choices. We're all faced with many choices every day. Choice to sin or choice to obey Christ. Choice to love self or choice to love Christ. Choice to to be stubborn and rebellious against His will or choose to submit and be humble. We face those choices every day, multiple times a day. The choice to sin is a choice The choice, I should say, the choice whether to sin or not is a choice of whether to deny yourself or to deny Christ. Peter chose to deny Christ instead of himself. The choice to sin is a choice between serving yourself or serving Christ. When it boils down to it, that's it. Are you going to serve the pleasure of your sin Are you going to serve your flesh? Are you going to listen to the devil and serve him? Or are you going to serve Christ? Are you going to serve his will, his word, submit to it? The choice to sin is a choice between loving yourself or loving Christ. Who do you love more? Oftentimes the reason that we choose sin over Christ is because we love we're saying or we're feeling that we love that sin more than we love Christ and His Word. Even though we know that that's not true. We love Christ and we love His Word more than we love sin if we're born again. He has given us that love. But when we choose to sin, that's what we're saying. And that's what Peter was saying to Christ in this time. I love myself. More than I love you. I'm not willing to suffer with you. I'm not willing to be named among your followers. And then a choice to sin is a choice to either submit to your sinful desire or to submit to Christ. So think about all these things Jesus was teaching and and the application here in this temptation of Peter. He chooses not to deny himself, not to take up his cross and follow the Lord. He chooses to serve himself instead of serving Christ. He chooses to love himself instead of loving Christ. And he chooses not to submit to Christ, to submit to the Father in obedience, but to choose his own way. So we should be able to understand that in Peter. And we should be able to see that in our own life. And we want to learn from these things so that we can, instead of choosing sin, choose to be obedient to Christ. Last thing I want to consider before I move on to Jesus' restoration of Peter was just to quickly kind of consider the difference between Judas and Peter. Because Judas betrayed Christ, Peter denied Christ. Are they the same? No, 
They're not the same. And this is why. Peter was a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Judas was a false disciple. Peter had a true love for Jesus Christ. He had been called by Jesus Christ. He believed in who he was. And he loved him. This was a temptation. And he fell. In this temptation, he chose sin. Judas was a false disciple of Christ. He was a hypocrite. He was a deceiver. He did not truly love Christ. He did not truly care about Him. Second major difference is because Jesus loved Peter. And Peter was one of His own. But Jesus did not love Judas. And he was not one of His own. Judas was a child of the devil. He was the son of perdition. And thirdly, Peter had godly sorrow after his eyes were opened to his sin that led to repentance, right? That led to conversion. Judas had worldly sorrow that led to self-pity that led to him taking his own life. So we're known by our fruits. And we can see the clear difference. Because Jesus loved Peter, because that love uh, uh, was returned by Peter to Christ, when he, his eyes were opened to his sin, it said that he wept, and he wept bitterly. It, it, speaks, of con, it speaks of convulsions. He was weeping with, without control and covering himself up because he saw what he had done. He saw that he had denied the Lord Jesus Christ. Judas, on the other hand, he just had shame and guilt and worldly sorrow that led to death. So there's a big difference there, and that's important for us to see. Because even unbelievers, they, they feel sorry for sin. They may have made a confession of faith, but we see... We'll, we'll, it will be made clear in their fruit, in the fruit of their life, when they're convicted about sin and when God convicts them of that sin. Will they turn from that sin? Will they have sorrow for that? And will there be a vehement desire to make things right and to be converted and to be restored? Or will they just continue in that over and over again? In Peter we see that even though he chose it this time himself and even though he chose sin over Christ, Yet he is convicted about it. He weeps about it. And Jesus restores Peter. Don't you love that about the story? We don't just have Peter denying Christ and then Peter is no longer used in service anymore. He's He's just a weakling in the church and a weakling in the faith. What I love is that this one who denied that he knew him, denied that he even was even knew what this person was talking about, that this one was used by Christ to become one of the leaders of the church and was a great example to all other believers of boldness, of of courage, of strength, of leadership. It's just a, a great example of God's grace and mercy and the way that he restores even broken sinners to himself. So... 
First, we've considered this denial of Peter, of Jesus. What led to it? Why did he do it? What can you learn from that in your own life? Secondly, let's consider how Jesus restores Peter. Number one, what's important to remember in in this whole thing is that Jesus prayed for Peter even before he denied him. In Luke chapter 22, please turn with me there. What makes the difference in your life? Why are you going to be able to overcome sin? Why are you going to be convicted when you do sin to have sorrow and to, and to repent and to be restored? It's because Jesus loves you. It's because Jesus' heart is for you and it's because He has prayed for you that your faith fail not. That even though you may stumble, even though you may choose sin from time to time, yet He will not let you go. He is pursuing you. And He will not stop pursuing you. Even when you may stop pursuing Him, He doesn't stop pursuing you. Luke 22, when Jesus was telling Peter that what he was going to do in denying him, he says this in verse 31, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Satan wants every one of us. Satan wants your mind Satan wants your heart. Satan wants your life. He wants you to make a mess of everything. He wants you to choose yourself. He wants you to love yourself. He wants you to put yourself above everyone else. Satan desires to sift you all as wheat. But if you belong to Christ, Christ will not let him. He will not let him. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Don't you love that? The heart of Christ. He says, you're going to deny me. This is going to happen. But I have prayed for you and your faith is not going to fail. And not only that, you're going to return to me. You're going to be restored And there's my encouragement. Strengthen your brothers and sisters in Christ who are also going to go through temptation and trials. So God has a purpose and He uses uses our weakness. He uses our stumblings to teach us a lesson that we can also help other people. We must not forget this. And Jesus also prays for each and every one of you who love Him. He prays for you that you would not choose sin over Him. But if you do, He prays for you that your faith doesn't fail. And He prays for you that you will return to Him with your whole heart. That you will have godly sorrow that turns to repentance, that leads to repentance. And He prays for you that you will be restored to Him, fellowship with Him, and that you will choose Him over your sin the next time. Jesus prays for all of us in John 17. And this prayer is still being answered for you and I who are faced with this decision every day of our lives that Peter was faced with. 
He says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from the evil one. You see, Jesus isn't praying that we be, that we have no temptation. He's not praying that we don't have any trials. Jesus is praying that in our temptation and in our trials, that we would be delivered from the power of Satan, from the power of the evil one. That we would keep our eyes upon him and his word. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. This is how he's going to do it, brothers and sisters. He's going to send you his word. He's going to send you His Word by the Holy Spirit who's going to set you apart and give you a desire, a godly desire to choose what is right. So Jesus prayed for Peter. This is what led to His restoration. But not only did He just pray for Peter, He also confirms it. We can put ourselves into the heart of Peter and we can imagine what it was like for those days after he had denied Christ and then saw what he went through and that he died and for him not to be reconciled with him before that. We can put ourselves into his heart and we can understand the pain, the grief, and the unsureness that he was going through. But how sweet it is when we read the gospel accounts and when Jesus rises from the dead, what does he tell the messengers? Go tell Peter and the other apostles, I have risen from the dead and I will meet with you. Jesus' heart is already toward Peter and letting him know I have forgiven you. I love you. You're going to be restored. Go tell Peter and the other disciples I will meet with them. And Jesus comes and he meets with them. He even helps them to catch a big load of fish and he eats with them. And it tells us in John 21, after they had eaten, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? I'm sure a lot of things going on in Peter's heart at this time. But it tells us that he has grief. Because Jesus is asking him over and over and over again, do you love me? Why is he saying this? And 
We can't say for 100% surety because it doesn't tell us. But we do know that Peter denied Jesus three times. And here Jesus is asking Peter three times, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know, you know more than just me saying I love you. You actually see into my heart. You see into my soul and you know what's in my mind. You know all things. You know that I love you. Isn't that beautiful? That's beautiful. Peter knows that Jesus loves him. He does. And he knows that Jesus knows that Peter loves him. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. And when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. It's beautiful. Christ restores Peter. He says that the first time you didn't love me with all your heart. Now I know that you love me. And I'm telling you, love me with all your heart. At first you weren't submitted to the Father's plan. Now I'm telling you, be submitted to His plan. And what this means for you is, Peter, you're going to have to be willing to give up your life for me. And how are you going to do this? Feed the lambs. Feed the sheep. Tend to the sheep. It's going to be about other people, Peter. And I'm entrusting you with this. And it's going to be about you submitting and serving me by being willing to be put to death. History tells us that Peter was crucified. But not only that, history tells us that he refused to be crucified the same way that Christ was. And so he was crucified upside down. Peter learned the lesson But isn't it beautiful to see the love of Christ that he has for Peter, that he didn't hold a grudge against him, that he doesn't even come here in this occasion and rebuke him. He doesn't really question him. He just says, do you love me? And if you do love me, feed my sheep. Oh, the heart of Christ. He indeed is meek and lowly and gentle in heart. And to those that come to him broken, You see, Peter, he had already been broken. He had wept. He had turned. He had repented. What he needed was to be restored. What he needed was to be confirmed. What he needed was to be encouraged that when Christ left, he could stand firm. Well, we also, too, can be restored to Christ in our brokenness, 
in the in the in First Peter chapter First John chapter one. John says, whenever we sin, he says, if we deny that we're sinners, we have no fellowship with the Father. We're liars. But he says, if we confess that we're sinners, if we confess that we have disobeyed God, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Forgiveness and restoration. And then he goes on to tell them, look, I've written, you, I've written you this and I'm telling you this not so that you can just sin because you'll be forgiven and restored every time. He says, I've written to you this so that you sin not, right? The mercy and love of Christ, the forgiving, for, forgiveness and restoration of Christ should not lead us to want to sin more and more. It should want us, lead us not to, to sin at all. I have written to you this so that you sin not, but if any man or woman or child or anyone sins, you have an advocate. You have one that's on your side. His name is Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he will plead your cause if you go to him. He will plead your cause. He died for you. He shed his blood for your sins. He's the only one who can forgive us of our sins and restore us. So we go to him. Go to him. As Peter goes to Christ, and you too will be restored. Well, how can we fully see? We see here what happens in the restoration of Peter. But lastly, as we close, how can we fully see that Peter is converted and learns the lesson? Well, first of all, I think you could just simply read the book of Acts, and you can clearly see that Peter is a changed man. You can see that instead of displaying timidness, timidness, fearfulness. He's no longer timid. He is bold. He's getting up in front of his adversaries and he's preaching about Jesus Christ. He's confronting them in their sin. He's put in prison and and he's beaten and he's told not to preach Christ anymore. And he says, you can tell me whatever you want to, but we have to obey God rather than men. And he goes right back to preaching and feeding the sheep. We see that he spends in life, his life in service to the church. And he becomes a leader in the early church. So he, he goes from being one who is weak and doesn't have courage and, and not showing leadership at all to being one who has boldness and leadership and becomes a servant and becomes willing to suffer reproach for Christ. Well, if that wasn't enough for us to see, and rejoice in. Peter is blessed by the Holy Spirit to write two epistles. And you can read those epistles and you can be convinced that Peter learned the lessons. Just real quickly, quickly I want to share this with you and I want you to do some study on your own time. 1 Peter chapter 1, in, Paul, in Peter's introduction, he talks about the trial of your faith. And he talks about your inheritance. Think about what Peter learned and what he went through and how, why that was so important to him. Okay, so verses 3 through 7, the trial of your faith. Then chapter 2, he begins submission. What Peter had to learn was submission to Christ. And what he wants 
the followers of Christ to learn is submission. 1 Peter chapter 2, 13 through 17, submission to government. 1 Peter 2, 18 through 25, submission to masters. 1 Peter 3, 1 through 7, submission in marriage. And then he takes a little break from submission and he goes to suffering. This is what Paul, Peter's epistles are about. Suffering, service, and submission. Do you think he was converted? Do you think he learned the lesson? 1 Peter 3, 13-17, suffering for doing what is right. 1 Peter 3, 18, learn from Christ's suffering. And that will help you to be able to suffer for doing what's right. 1 Peter 4, 1, arm yourself for suffering. Peter has accepted it. 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11, serving for God's glory. Serving others, serving God. 1 Peter 4, 12 through 19, suffering for God's glory. He says, don't think it a strange thing when you suffer for being a Christian. Accept it. Chapter 5, verse 1, feed the flock of God. What did Jesus tell them? Feed my lambs, feed my sheep, tend to my sheep. He understood. As shepherds, as overseers, it's about feeding the flock of God, which he has made you overseers. And then he ends the whole thing, 1 Peter 5, 5-11. Submit to God and resist the devil. Submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. Peter got it. He learned the lesson. And we need to learn the lesson. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to open up our eyes to our own life, the decisions that we make. Why are we choosing sin? And look and see if we're not learning the lessons that he's teaching us. Help us to learn the lessons of submission to you, of service to you, and of being willing to suffer for you. And we too can experience the conversion and restoration that Peter experienced. And God can use us and he can use you like he did Peter. May God be praised for his amazing grace.